Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Today is December 5th, 2022, and our first story. Elon Musk has announced no more public signings as fear of assassination risk is growing. He's warned that because of the actions he's taking in leaking some of these documents and shifting Twitter, the threat against his life is real, and he worries it would actually be really easy to take him out. He's now surrounded by armed bodyguards. I also discuss how this morning I got word that one of my properties was burglarized, and we don't exactly know why or what, but it seems that conflict is escalating. There's reports that a power substation in North Carolina was vandalized, intentionally taking down the power grid. And in our last story, a Paralympian in Canada was trying to get a stair lift, and the government offered to kill her instead. Euthanasia, or suicide, is on the rise with government assistance. If you like the show, give us a good review, leave five stars and a good comment, share the show with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. Elon Musk was recently entering a vehicle surrounded by security guards and people were yelling out to him and he said, guys, I am not ever again going to do any signings. The reason for this is that over the weekend in a live discussion, Elon mentioned that the threats to his life are actually very significant. Assassination risk, quite significant. There are a series of stories that I think highlight the escalation of cultural collapse. Now, I've often said that I think a civil war or something to that effect is coming, but um, I'm open to being wrong. And it's not to say that I don't think there will be a conflict. It's that perhaps it will be something we've not yet seen before. Perhaps what we're actually witnessing is a breakdown of social cohesion, which results in something, uh, some kind of conflict, but not necessarily a civil war. And the reason for this isn't just uh, the breaking news stories, of which there are many. The new Twitter revelations are shocking, and we have more information. Katie Hobbs out of Arizona contacted Twitter to censor posts while as Secretary of State and also while running for office. But it's not just that. Power outages in North Carolina, intentional vandalism. Right now, many on the left are saying that it was drag protesters. Conservatives who are upset about grooming events or things of that nature have been accused of shooting at substations and taking out the power grid. The police said there's nothing to indicate that's the case, but that's actually, that, that's what they're still asserting. And then, of course, along with these news stories, 
I have my personal experiences and the, the, the news that sort of surrounds the work we do. And so this will be probably a bit of a hybrid, but I want to say this. I don't intend for this segment and this news to be a black pill. It's more of realism. And you've just got to make, make sure that you're using this information to the best of your abilities. But I will stress, me personally, based on the news I read and the things I've experienced as of recent, which I will get into details on, social cohesion is collapsing. The ability of our law enforcement to solve these problems no longer exists. And you know it. Again, I'm not saying this means the end of the world. I'm not saying that your life will become miserable. I'm saying these are things you need to know and understand. The summer of love, when far left extremists nearly burned down a church in front of the White House, tore the barricades down, forced the president into a bunker, no accountability. Federal law enforcement targeting political rivals of the current establishment political party, no accountability. Nancy Pelosi insanely requesting crew served machine guns in Washington, D.C. Far left extremists vandalizing property. Accusations about the sabotage in North Carolina. Donald Trump in this wild story being accused of calling to terminate parts of the Constitution. Trump is, of course, denying it. But holy smokes. And on top of all of this, you know that we've dealt with swattings, harassment. There's a lot more that you don't know about. Very serious federal crimes that the uh, law enforcement seemingly are not doing anything about. And so as I sit here reading the news every day, I thought to myself just a moment ago, I got off the phone with the lawyer, by the way. And uh, I basically said the court system and law enforcement has become completely impotent. Elon Musk was speaking over the weekend and he was asked about any kind of uh, law enforcement uh, actions that might, uh, uh, I should say, DOJ or investigatory or regulatory actions that might go against him. He says, look, government's slow. Okay, they can't respond to this. And he's right. And so what I think we're seeing with the things I've experienced, and, and I'll get into a little bit of detail, um, some of it you already know, uh, as we move through and, and talk about the, the civil conflict we're experiencing, I started to realize that the speed of information is such to a point that government bureaucracy cannot respond in any capacity. So what are we seeing? You may be wondering why it is that Marjorie Taylor Greene, a sitting member of Congress, was swatted so many times. No justice. It's because the government is unable to respond to the speed of information and technology. The people who are engaged in those swattings are faster than the government bureaucracy, so the government can't respond at all, neutering law enforcement's capabilities. You also have the fact the DOJ is weaponized against people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, and to a lesser extent, but still, people like us. We've been swatted some 14 or 15 times, the bomb squad being deployed. And you may be wondering why, with multiple jur jurisdictions and multiple law enforcement agencies, we've not seen anything, heard anything, nor have we been contacted. Now, I've talked to some law enforcement, but my conclusion after all of this is there's no system anymore. Again, I mean, some people might take that and be like, ah, it's the end of the world. No, no, I think the reality is social cohesion was an element. I'm sorry, law enforcement was an element of social cohesion. Civil litigation was an element of social cohesion that people feared being shunned. People feared the courts coming after them. People feared law enforcement. Not anymore. Now it is ideologically driven, and so nothing the bureaucracy can do seemingly has an impact. But let's read the news. We'll talk about what Elon Musk is saying about a threat of assassination against him. And I'll talk to you about what that means as it pertains to everything I'm saying right now. And 
They'll vent a little bit. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com, become a member in order to support our work directly. Click that join us button and you can get access to exclusive uncensored members only shows from TimCast IRL podcast. We had a bunch of a whole lot of fun uh, this past week. We had some really interesting conversations. And of course, we have the behind the scenes green room show with Ye himself. If you want to see what was going on at the cast castle when Ye was actually here before storming off the show, you can. And we have some more news pertaining to that that will be coming up soon. We have uh, you guys are going to I don't know if people are going to be happy about it, but we've got more coming um, and I can't say too much. So smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. And let's read the story. The Daily Wire reports Elon Musk will not sign autographs ever again as he warns assassination risk is quite significant. I want to show you this quick clip here uh, that's from Twitter. This is a Marky Mark DC celebrity says exclusive. Elon Musk just landed at Dulles Airport and announced to the world he has done signing autographs. Maybe if he sees this, he can spend uh, he can send me one. Let's uh, let's play it. So I'll explain a little bit before he comes out. You can see security with a vehicle We're right here. Elon, we won't move Elon, please. And that's it. He says, I'm never I'm not doing any more signings ever again. Now, in this video, he doesn't explicitly say that it's due to the assassinations. However, they say the news comes after Musk said during a chat on Twitter Spaces Saturday afternoon that the risk to his security has increased in recent months. Musk told listeners that he would definitely not be doing any open air car parades. Let me put it that way. Frankly, the risk of something bad happening to me or even literally being shot is quite significant. It's not that hard to kill somebody if you wanted to. So hopefully they don't and fate smiles upon the situation with me and it does not happen. There's definitely some risk there. Let's get personal. I tweeted this out. Someone broke into one of my properties this morning. We believe it was two men. I don't know the full details. I've only been given a brief summary of what happened. Apparently, the man almost died because it is extremely stupid to break into a West Virginia property. As I described it on Twitter, after nearly being struck by a nine millimeter round, the individuals, uh, I'll I'll keep the details slim as law enforcement is currently uh, involved or whatever. The individuals fled and uh, there was minor pursuit my understanding. And, um, you know, uh, uh, they're fortunate to be alive after breaking into the property. I don't know exactly why they did or exactly what happened. Everyone is fine. No one was hurt. Unfortunately for me, there is a bullet hole in my kitchen. So be it. This comes about a week or two weeks after a bunch of extremists were posting my address online relentlessly, particularly on Twitter, but also on Reddit. This may be a random occurrence. I kind of don't think so, but I don't know. All I can do is tell you that um, we have a big construction project going on. There's, it's, it's a large property. And for some reason, this happened. I don't know uh, exactly what really, all I have is the ancillary reports. I was not there. It's another morning and you're all set for work. You grab your coffee, head out the door, and your car decides today's the day it won't start. Panic sets in. You're not just late. 
you're stranded. Get ahead of unexpected car repairs before they strike with CarShield, the most trusted vehicle protection company. For almost 20 years, CarShield has saved millions of drivers from repair nightmares with low monthly plans that cover up to 5,000 major parts and systems, like pricey transmission and engine repairs and check engine light mysteries. Visit CarShield today at carshield.com carlson. Plans include unlimited miles, 24-7 roadside assistance, help with flats, lockouts, and rental car options. Save 20% and get a free quote by visiting CarShield online at carshield.com slash carlson. Don't wait for the next surprise. Choose peace of mind with CarShield. Go to carshield.com slash carlson and save 20% today. But uh, it did happen. At the same time, there are many other legal matters and criminal matters that are affecting us here. And when I experience these things, you need to understand, of course, there's my personal perspective bias. But I also want to point out there's yours as well. And that means I could be wrong about everything. And I'm probably wrong about a lot. But it also means that you or others could be wrong about a lot of things um, and probably are as well. What I'm trying to say is, I'll put it this way. Obviously, in my line of work, we deal with physical threats We deal with criminal actions made against us over and over again. And in my experience, in every circumstance, it has become apparent that the court system is incapable of actually dealing with these issues. Now, I won't go into full specifics for security reasons, but I can tell you the gist of that story. I can also tell you that um, we don't report a lot of this stuff. We don't report the swattings that have been uh, consistent. I think I mentioned, what, 14, maybe 15 at this point. Many people say, Tim, don't talk about it because, uh, you know, it's just going to make it worse. Makes me wonder. We don't. We try not to because we don't want it to happen. We don't want the swattings to happen. We don't want the threats. We don't want the assassinations uh, or attempts or anything like that. We've had uh, a couple credible threats made against us. When I was in Nashville, we had a serious credible threat with with a suspect actually detained And a warning that the police believed it was a legitimate threat against my life. And therefore, we had to cancel an event. Nashville. Did I say Nashville? Yeah. It it sucks, but it's reality. So, you know, Elon Musk certainly has it worse than I do. But one thing I've learned from all of this is when a crime is committed, the courts can't do anything. They literally can't. When you're dealing with uh, the Internet and multiple law enforcement agencies, they're unable, unwilling, and they can't do anything. Furthermore, when you're dealing with ideological extremists, a court order is meaningless and law enforcement can't or is unwilling to do anything about it. Further, the legal system can be weaponized in either direction. So here's what I see. A moment ago, I got a phone with a lawyer. Like, seriously, I'm trying to, I'm trying to work here and I have to do these phone calls. And they offer up these nonsensical, uh, legal, legally minded, non, just, just, just garbage responses. File this, file that, petition this, petition that. And I say, someone broke through the window, climbed in, and I'll keep the details a little bit more vague, you know, because again, secure, like law enforcement is actively investigating. I don't want to give out too many details. But uh, a bullet hole in my kitchen and your salute, your, 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 the, the things being offered up to me are completely meaningless. That's where we're currently at. We can see with Elon Musk, when he puts out this story, what happens? All of the journalists march in lockstep saying the exact same things. It's apparent. It's right in front of our eyes. The next story is going to release may be a bit more serious, hard evidence that the Biden team was working with Twitter to censor users. 
We have from the post millennial Katie Hobbs in an election was in contact with Twitter to censor posts. And in, in, in during this campaign, during the election cycle, a conservative was actually suspended from Twitter. Their ability to communicate with the public and bypass the press shut down. Katie Hobbs was working uh, with Twitter to censor information. Am I to assume she wasn't involved in whatever those decisions were? What's the remedy? Carrie Lake, she tweeted that she filed a lawsuit before the election saying that these tabulators are prone to failure. It was rejected on standing. Now that the election happened and there were tabulate, there, there was tabulator failure. Now her legal team is being what, what censured or sanctioned or something that effect for even daring to bring up this issue. The court system is supposed to solve these issues. It's not. So I'll tell you what I see. And then, and then I'll elaborate on the point I was making earlier about either of us being wrong, what I meant by that. I see Carrie Lake doing everything reasonable to make sure that a fair election takes place and the courts are unable to do anything about it. In my life, I, of course, see a heightened level of threat. I see uh, um, from crimes being committed more so than any of you would. And so here's what I hear. A lot of people saying that I'm out of touch. Of course, I would think these things. Of course, I would think civil war. I'm in this position, so I'm at risk and I see the risk and I'm living it. So I see this as the world. True. 100% fair. But I'm not just looking at myself. I'm looking at exactly what happened with Carrie Lake. She files a lawsuit saying, hey, this is a known issue. They say, get out of here. You can't sue for that. Election happens. The exact issue occurs. She says, "Okay, I'm back with my lawsuit as I already tried to address. And they say, how dare you question this? This is the problem. There is no legal remedy and extends beyond that. Elon Musk warning of the threats against his life or the potential risk to his life. I, of course, am experiencing something similar, and we are actively seeing either intentional sabotage of critical infrastructure or, as the left believes, anti uh, drag events, saboteurs taking out the power grid. Now, of course, this story is a bit more silly, to be completely honest. Left is spreading a conspiracy theory that right wing terrorists were behind the power sub, uh, substation vandalisms in Moore County. So says Andy. No, right. There's no evidence. The police did question some individuals involved and said, we don't think they have anything to do with it. And I'll read that story in a second. But this is something I pointed out a while ago. Do you think that people on the left, upon seeing this story, have the reasonable reaction of ah, it's probably not true? We should wait for the evidence. Or do you think they say to themselves, it has to be true? I know they're doing it. Yeah, that's what I think. I'll tell you why. We get swatted a lot. We don't say anything. People get mad at us. Don't talk about it, Tim. You're just trying to get attention. Don't tell people it's happening. Well, at first I said, no, I think people need to understand the threats that we're facing. But at a certain point, people get it. They understand. And so I say, well, the security companies handle it. We won't report this. What happens then? The left comes out with fabricated stories or conspiracy theories about what's happening. And the media reports it and regular people see it. And then people on the right, independents, libertarians, or, you know, people like us say, well, we're not going to talk about it because then people will think we're trying to get attention and we'll only make the problem worse. What happens? If you do not talk about the threats, the violence, the crimes, 
The only thing the media reports, and, and it's still true with, regardless of what you say, but the only thing that makes it out into the world is that the far left, the leftists are under attack by evil right wingers. But the right never talks about it. The ADL said that Ben Shapiro was like the biggest target of, of anti-Semites and Nazis. Ben doesn't talk about it. I mean, most of us don't care. It's not, it's not, it's not the conversation we're trying to have. But the reality is this. The amount of crime, like if, if, if I were able to disclose the crimes actively committed against me and against us, you'd probably, you'd crap your pants. And guess what? While we are in talks with some law enforcement, they typically just do nothing. So that's why uh, I put out the tweet about the burglary this morning. It's not the first time we've been burglarized, and it comes around uh, right after the time that someone uh, was posting my address all over the place. And uh, I will stress the address being posted. I don't live at. And, um, you know, I, I tweeted about it and I, and I talked to some people. I said, I think I'm better off tweeting something immediately because I don't want to hurt anyone. I don't want anyone getting hurt. But if you break into one of these properties, you are lucky if you get out alive. And this is what happened. Keeping the details vague, a nine millimeter bullet is lodged in my kitchen. Simply put, that was this morning. Law enforcement was on scene. The only problem is that for the past two years, the people that have been harassing and attacking us, we've reported. How is it still possible that these things are happening? Where is law enforcement to do anything? Let me talk about this story. And I, I know I hate to bring it, uh, you know, the stuff that happened to me up and, and make it a, a bit more of a personal story. I tend not to like uh, not, not to want to do that. But uh, it's kind of shocking when you wake up with panicked phone calls from construction crew and others saying there's a bullet hole in your kitchen. To put it simply, let me tell you about what happened in North Carolina. They say vandals wielding firearms are suspected of causing a major power outage across North Carolina, a North Carolina county that has plunged tens of thousands of customers into darkness and freeze amid freezing temperatures, according to authorities. Evidence of sabotage was found at two key electrical substations following the massive blackout Saturday night, prompting the Moore County Sheriff's Office to investigate the incident as a criminal occurrence. A state of emergency was declared in Moore County on Sunday, and a, a countywide 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. curfew was imposed Sunday night. Moore County Sheriff Ronnie Fields told ABC News the curfew will be extended to Monday night. Jeff Brooks, spokesman for Duke Energy, the local public utility, said two electrical substations were severely damaged in the attacks and much of the equipment will have to be replaced. He said it could be until Thursday until power is completely restored. Andy No highlights that leftist personalities are claiming, for some unknown reason, the fascists wanted to stop a drag show in North Carolina so they shot up multiple power substations and knocked out power to 40,000 people to prevent the show from happening. This is terrorism. Yeah, that's insane. There's no evidence for it. There's no reason to believe that, but that's what they believe. I'll tell you why. Timcast.com. Full disclosure, the initial headline was uh, fairly inaccurate. We updated, issued a correction. It initially said drag show protesters sus suspected by police after intentional vandalism. I uh, uh, requested the news team clarify this. It was an it was an error. They said there are no suspects. They simply questioned someone for stating they knew what happened. Here's what happened. Emily Grace Rainey wrote on Facebook, the power is out in Moore County, and I know why. 
According to the Daily Beast, around the same time, she posted a photo of the Sunrise Theater, the venue holding the sold out drag show. Using the caption, God will not be mocked. When police visited Rainey, she said, I told them that God works in mysterious ways and is responsible for the outage. I used the opportunity to tell them about the immoral drag shows and the blasphemies screamed by its supporters. I told them God is chastising Moore County, thanked them for coming and wished them a good night. Thankful for the LEO's service, as always. In a follow up post, Rainey said she spoke with police and was sorry they they wasted their time. It appears the real story is that a religious individual was saying, I know why this happened. And it wasn't any kind of statement of fact. It was a moral religious pontification. God must be doing this. Sure, believe what you want. But they think some human did it. Call it whatever you want. Seeing this story once again. How about this? I love saying if I go the the, the back in time, if I went back in time, 2015, and said, you know, a couple years after Donald Trump uh, lost his reelection campaign and his and many of his supporters and prominent individuals accused foreign interference and and fraud uh, in the election, uh, about a thousand or so individuals stormed the Capitol building leading to high profile uh, extreme tensions where you had Nancy Pelosi calling for crew served machine guns in Washington, D.C. A man gets shot twice in the chest in 2020, billions of dollars in riding damage, dozens dead, thousands of people storming the barricades of the White House, setting fire to the church and forcing the president into the bunker, uh, among other things. A power substation is shot up and the grid is, is knocked down. The left is accusing the right of trying to stop drag shows for children. You know, hold on, hold on, hold on. What? Yeah, and Elon Musk is worried they're going to assassinate him because he released documents proving the government was colluding with big tech to suppress information during an election. Wait, what? Come on, who would believe it? Who would believe it, man? But we're here. But we're here. I tell you what. In a time of ideological extremism, the courts are powerless. A bunch of people are protesting in front of the homes of Supreme Court justices. Taint nothing being done about it. Pro-life activists, however, are getting arrested for, you know, reading a prayer in front of a Planned Parenthood or something like that. Some of these individuals were arrested because they went inside and then left and they and, and are accused are being uh, it is being claimed that they obstructed the entrance by entering the building. Perhaps. But I would be willing to entertain that law if these people protesting in front of judges homes was also being entertained. It's not. They're allowed to keep doing it. They've kept doing it, despite the fact someone showed up trying to kill one of the sitting Supreme Court justices. Now, where are the men of action? And I don't mean just men. I mean, like, you know, the humans. Where are the Supreme Court justices to do anything to try and protect their own lives? Seemingly nowhere to be found. Someone tried to kill a sitting Supreme Court justice, Brett Kavanaugh. Where's any kind of action? So I take a look at all of those things. And to me, it's just it's just this. I think the breakdown speaks to civil war. But as I've long said, if you think that warfare stays the same, you're wrong. We know that there's multiple generations of warfare. Now we're hearing that someone vandalized power substations. I believe the theory was that they were shooting at it. Let me let me let me see if I I have the post from the police. Moore County Sheriff Ronnie Fields reports that the mass power edge across the county 
is being investigated as a criminal occurrence. Uh, December, uh, several different communities across Moore began experiencing power outages. Utilities cover, uh, company responded. Substations, evidence was discovered that indicated it was intentional vandalism. So I don't think they're explicitly saying someone was shooting at it, but that appears to be the rumor that's going around. I'm not entirely sure, but someone vandalized multiple substations. Why? Well, I don't know. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout fastgrowingtrees.com code pool offer is valid for a limited time terms and conditions may apply but it does seem more like something antifa would do than anything else i i, I don't see right wingers being like this store this this one location is doing bad better go to a substation it's more antifa's mo there were those accounts there, were the, there was a news outlet, they call it, that was advising people on how to sabotage trains and derail them. Twitter banned them, I think, and Patreon did too. So when you're talking about sabotage and industrial sabotage and infrastructure sabotage, that's not something the right does. But think about this. Are they going to find out who did this? I doubt it. That's what I was saying about the legal apparatus, law enforcement, and the courts are unable to do anything about what's happening. And that's always been the case. People like to say, uh, when I, in 2018, when I was talking about civil war, these conservatives were like, Tim, it could never happen. The security state wouldn't allow it. I'm like, are you nuts? 16 guys could, could, could coordinate all over the country and totally disrupt this country. Like two guys blocking a highway could shut down uh, uh, the, 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 trade, the, the, the spread of goods. One Antifa uh, uh, could derail a train. That's how fragile the system is. Train gets derailed. What if you had 16 guys? What if you had 32? What if you had 5,000? These people organize on social media. They can coordinate actions the government cannot respond to in real time. So they're neutered. They're useless. Case in point, the swattings. You mean to tell me a sitting member of Congress, I, granted, they don't like Marjorie Taylor Greene. They can't figure out who's doing this. Now, some suggest they don't want to figure it out. That I would believe. But I think the reality is also that they can't. I've long thought about it. What would happen if I won't describe the system, but uh, many of you IT people already, already understand. What would happen if someone used a uh, remote access device through a Russian proxy to control a computer to make a phone call or something like that? How would you track that? And this is what apparently um, in our circumstance with the swattings, some of which they're claiming that when they do, you know, tra trace back a lot of this uh, criminal activity, it just goes to China or Russia and then it stops there and they can't figure out, you know, from there we have no access, no access to this information. 
I'll tell you what I see. I see Donald Trump coming out with, uh, uh, I got to be honest, a ridiculous statement. Let me see. Do they have do they have the quote? Let me see. If they have the quote from Trump. Trump goes on to say, blah, 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 with the uh, election results of 2020. What do you do? Do you declare the rightful winner in all caps or do you have a new election? Trump can't get over 2020. And I get it. It doesn't matter if you think he's right, if you think he's wrong. What matters is Donald Trump says that the const- they don't have the exact quote. Trump didn't call for terminating the entire Constitution. He says something of uh, um, termination of rules, regulations and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Our great founders did not want and did not, would not condone, blah, blah, blah. Abraham Lincoln suspended habeas corpus, violated the Constitution in a corridor from D.C. up to Pennsylvania because they were cut off. Maryland was a slave state, despite the fact that Maryland favored the Union and ultimately joined the Union. They still had slave state sentiments and the federal government went and arrested a bunch of state reps. The Constitution was basically void during the Civil War. Donald Trump clarified he's not saying to get rid of it. He's saying some of the elements of it. I don't care if your opinion is for or against what Trump is saying. What I am telling you is that we are at this point. Social cohesion no longer exists. First, there were religious morals holding things together. People had a fear of something beyond. Now in Canada, in Europe, you have euthanasia. No one fears. State-sanctioned suicide. In the United States, you have political ideologues and zealots who think they're fighting some kind of, and I mean this figuratively, holy war against fascists or whatever. Thus, they are, they are fearless of court action. The courts actually can't do anything about much of this stuff. Law enforcement can't either. So what do we end up seeing? The only law enforcement action that we're actually seeing is weaponization of law enforcement against people like Donald Trump. Private citizens struggle to get anything done. Videos circulate across the Internet of people raiding Walgreens, Target, CVS, to the point where these businesses are shutting down. Video uh, of a man walking out of Home Depot with a shopping cart, shoving an 83-year-old man to the ground, killing him. It just keeps happening. In New York, the Jewish community is being brutally beaten in the streets by, uh, by, by people playing this game, I guess, the knockout game or whatever it's called. This kind of stuff's happening all over. The Constitution was basically suspended by several Democratic governors during COVID, and now they're attacking Trump for saying he wants special rules. Look, man, I'm not here to tell you about what's good or what's bad or what's real or what, or, you know, um, what, what's 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 a white pill, what's a black pill, what happens in the future. I'm here to tell you these things are happening and to consider it. Me? I ain't mad. I'm not crying about it. I am not stressed out. It's a reality I accept. And in fact, it's kind of freeing, you know, it's frustrating when you think law enforcement and the courts are going to rectify these problems. And they don't. And you're like, I don't understand. You know, the, the, these people are committing crimes. They're admitting to doing it online. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. And they just need to realize you best start believing in civil war stories because you're in one. It's a nightmare dystopia where in Canada and Europe, they're euthanizing people. And in Canada, they want it available for mature minors. Yeah, it's right in front of our eyes. Vandalism of a power power substations. That's what they're saying. We don't know who did it or why. Infrastructure is now being attacked. People have been shot. Riots have been happening. If you have sat by and watched all of this happen and think that nothing's really going on, I think you just want to believe what you want to believe. 
Me? I can't tell you. You know, I think some kind of civil war, but I think it's probably, as I stated before, more like what happens in Syria, where social cohesion breaks down, disparate factions start fighting each other, and who knows what's really going on. Let me ask you, when you saw what happened with yay, did you think this is normal? Or did you think, how does this happen? When you see what happens with Elon Musk buying Twitter, yo, these are not normal times. But maybe this is, natu- this is the natural state of the world. Social cohesion is broken. The social contract doesn't exist. What's happening now is the raw exercise of power. And the only consideration is whose power you have to consider before taking action. To put it simply, yeah, the federal government and law enforcement agencies have power. But it's limited. And with the drop, uh, with the limit, uh, limitations of that power, the vacuum is, uh, has emerged. And from this, you now start to see disparate factions, Antifa marching with rifles, shooting and killing people, setting fire to the church in front of the White House, no accountability, rioting in 2017, destroying vehicles, smashing windows. In fact, they won millions from the city. I believe that's the, the result of that case from Trump's inauguration. So looking at all of this, I am not, again, I stress, saying this to get you down. I'm saying it as a, well, you know, look at that. I live in West Virginia. Couple people, there's more than one, reportedly, I'm saying reportedly because this is coming from the second hand, I wasn't there, broke into my house, and I'll keep things vague, a nine millimeter bullet is, is lodged in uh, my kitchen. And, you know, I see a lot of people in West Virginia, a lot of comments saying like, you know, make my day and things like don't miss next time and things like you need you need to go to the range to practice. And I'm like, guys, I wasn't there. But this is what I see. I don't think the police will do anything about it. I don't think they can. Crimes like this have been happening to us consistently and we don't talk about it. We don't talk about it because we're warned that we'll make it worse by doing so. But I had the, 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 the opposite idea. I got scared when I heard that there was a nine millimeter bullet lodged in my kitchen. And I said, do these people not understand? This is a castle doctrine state. And with the death threats against us, we are not going to. There, there is nothing but fearing for our lives. If someone breaks into, I don't want to say too much, breaks into the property. The only response from any one of our personnel is going to be. This must be them acting upon the death threats. And these people who come here. If law enforcement was doing their job, we wouldn't have to worry about it. And I don't blame them. They're underfunded and incapable. They've been demoralized and there's nothing they can do. The government can't file the paperwork fast enough. Not to mention the FBI has been weaponized and is unwilling to take any action. But let me just stress this right now. To the law enforcement agencies that failed to do anything about this over the past six months. I don't know what's going on. I don't necessarily blame you if your hands are tied and you're unable to figure this one out. If you're incapable of stopping it, that's just the reality. But, but I hope everyone understands where we're at now. You know, these guys could have died. More importantly, our people, my people could have died. I don't know who these people were. We don't want that to happen. Law enforcement can't do anything about it. That's the reality. We have armed security. I'll put it that way. A lot of them. 
where I see this going. Elon Musk does too. I see it going to dark places, very dark places. So again, maybe it's my personal perspective. Maybe it's because quite literally I woke up in this morning to hearing there's a bullet lodged in my kitchen. Maybe you don't experience that stuff. But in the political fray, this is what's happening. I look around the world and I think maybe this is the natural state of things. Raw exercise of power. I hope no one tries coming to these properties again. And that's why I decided to tweet about it. I want to make sure it's clear. I don't want anyone hurt. But the people here are operating under an extreme amount of death threats, doxing threats, and crime, criminal activity. And the only thing anyone here can do is assume the death threats are being followed through upon. Uh, are, they're following through with, with, their, with the threats that are being claimed. So when you break in, I, I'm not surprised the immediate response is an adrenaline rush and fear that this could be at the moment that someone is going to try to kill one of us. Where does it go in the next couple of years? Let me ask you, do you think things calm down? With Donald Trump running for office and saying that certain elements of the Constitution, um, uh, certain certain rules will be terminated, even even those found in the Constitution. Do you think things are de-escalating or escalating? Honest question. My view, I think it's getting worse. Why? Well, aside from the, the point that Donald Trump just made about terminating some of the constitutional rules, uh, there's a bullet lodged in my kitchen. So yeah. There's a bunch of other security uh, things that we've, we've, we've uh, enacted. I can't say for obvious reasons. But you would be surprised to learn how some people live. I can certainly tell you some other stuff, uh, vaguely. Some of the, your most favorite individuals uh, you don't know have, have fled. Have fled the cities and um, some fled the country. I'm not going to say who. But some people have already fled the country and not informed anyone. Some people only recently informed people they fled the country. I think that's something you should know. For obvious security reasons, I'm not going to say who and I'm not going to say where, but I certainly know for a fact that some of your favorite personalities are in remote locations in hiding while still operating online as though everything is fine. Don't know where we go, man. I ain't running from it. Um, we're just doing what we can. But I think Elon Musk brought up that, that, that point about uh, government being slow to act. I talked about it a bit in the morning, but I decided to talk more in depth about you know, the current state of things. Maybe it'll come up uh, tonight. I don't know. I'm tired of people saying, just, just grin and bear it. Ignore it. Ignore it. Ignore it. And I'm like, guys, it's getting worse. This is happening. And it could just be your standard celebrity BS. Fine. But you know, like all the celebrities live in Hollywood. People generally know that there's houses up on the hills full of wealthy individuals, industry execs and celebrities. Guardians of the Galaxy did a holiday special where they jokingly got a map of the stars houses and, and they go to Kevin Bacon's house. And he's like, sorry, guys, you got to leave. And I'm like, these people aren't armed. You can't be armed. You know, they probably have armed security. In the political world, though, you know, we're well beyond that degree. So we'll see. It's the only thing I can really say, right? Let me know what you think, and um, we'll talk about it more later tonight. It's the holidays. I'm not trying to drag you down. Now, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not freaking out about it. In fact, to be completely honest, 
I, I, I like actual conflict and war, so substantially worse. The worst stuff I've seen. But I've got people who work for me, work with me. I've got family members who, let's just say, are very, very upset. I've, I've warned them. What do you think is going on? There are people who want to say, ha, Tim Civil War pool. He's lying. He's wrong about this stuff. Sure. Elon Musk won't do signings, is surrounded by bodyguards because he fears assassination and says the risk is real because he released documents proving government collusion to subvert an election. What do you think that point means? Hey, have a good day, though. Enjoy yourself a nice burger. When I was in Egypt during the revolution, two blocks away from Tahrir Square, some, I, I remember seeing a dude at McDonald's eating a cheeseburger and watching soccer. And I thought, it's, it's interesting times. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. On Saturday, Elon Musk participated in a Twitter spaces, speaking live with, I think, like 100,000 plus people. He was talking about the Twitter files in which he released documents to journalist Matt Taibbi exposing government malfeasance in social media censorship, manipulation, and quite possibly election interference from the FBI and the DNC. Of course, corporate press is saying that it's a nonsense story about removing non-consensual adult images and that Matt Taibbi has lost all credibility. In reality, the evidence is piling up. We knew that this is happening because we are not morons. Facebook has been censoring conservative and anti-establishment outlets for some time, namely conservative, because the anti-establishment tended to be very much MAGA in a lot of ways. Former Occupy people, former Bernie people were supporting Trump. And so it looks now that we have another story. We've, we've heard this already from Mark Zuckerberg, but now from Twitter that the feds were going to social media saying, shut down this story or else. And they did. And they now seek to lie about it and cover it up. But sorry, whiny intelligence asset fake news journalists, you're losing. In response to these stories, I'll put it this way. Elon Musk said at 5 p.m. on Friday, we'll be releasing the Twitter files. Okay, somebody needs to give Elon Musk a lesson in PR because that's the worst possible day to release anything. I, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I don't, I, look, maybe there's something I don't know. Maybe the strategy he's trying, but having worked in marketing events for like a decade plus, well, actually longer than that, and then doing my own media, you just, you, you don't do content on the, week, on the weekends. Look, when we do shows on Friday, we know the views are going to be down. Saturday, it's, a, it's abysmal. But okay, maybe he's got a plan. He said he was going to put the, uh, the documents out at 5 p.m. He didn't. They ended up going up around 6.30 or 6.40 or something. And while we were all waiting, saying like, yo, what happened? A lot of people, not just me, started making jokes about Elon Musk having evidence that would lead to the arrest of Hillary Clinton and what that meant for why the documents weren't being released. In reality, it was because he had passed them off to journalist Matt Taibbi, and I don't think he was going to be releasing them or it was not his intention to personally release them. But Elon Musk said on Saturday, and I quote, if I committed suicide, it's not real. And we all laughed. Seriously. It's funny, isn't it, that we say something like this, that we, we laugh about something like this. Elon Musk was asked about threats to his life and safety from releasing information like this. And, uh, and we laugh. It's a scary thought. 
because the reality is it, it, it very much is true. Elon Musk's life is in danger from doing this. If I committed suicide, it's not real. Elon Musk reassures the public he's not suicide, suicidal for a second time this year because he's doing things that upset the established order, because he's doing things that defy the machine. He doesn't want war. He doesn't want World War III. And for this, they are coming for him. They're accusing him of uh, corporate malfeasance. Uh, apparently, there's something in the works behind the scenes, the DOJ. But that's like nebulous. I'm not saying that we have any official reporting. I'm saying that like it is expected, and they were hinting at in this conversation, that you're going to start seeing the federal government creating some reason or making up some excuse to go after Elon. But let me tell you exactly what's happening before we get into the media response so you can truly understand. Matt Taibbi released on Friday talking about the Hunter Biden laptop. Matt Taibbi says, although several sources recalled hearing about a general warning from federal law enforcement that summer about possible foreign hacks, there's no evidence that I've seen of any government involvement in the laptop story. Matt, my friend, you did a great job, but that is an error. I hope you'll correct because Jack Posobiec brought the receipts. Matt Taibbi then says the decision was made at the highest levels of the company, but without the knowledge of CEO Jack Dorsey, with former head of legal policy and trust Vijay Agade playing a key role. They just freelanced it, is how one former employee characterized the decision. Hacking was the excuse, but within a few hours, pretty much everyone realized that wasn't going to hold, but no one had the guts to reverse it. So you can see the confusion in the following lengthy exchange, which ends up including Gade and former trust uh, safety chief Yoel Roth. Comms official Trenton Kennedy writes, I'm struggling to understand the policy basis for marking this as unsafe. Of course, this is the Hunter Biden laptop. The left is saying that these were just images of a nude Hunter Biden. It was, it was, it was homemade adult images that should not have been in the platform and it should be removed. And um, boy, are they trying to dismiss all of this. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's arkseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. arcseedkits.com. Okay, look, I am a reasonable person. I don't like the idea that um, someone's private images become newsworthy and can be shared with everybody, but sometimes they do. In this instance, we have a tough question. If you are the son of the president and your laptop has evidence that the, uh, I'm sorry, at the time, this is a candidate for the president and your laptop has evidence of malfeasance and potential crimes committed by your family. Well, now these images become deeply newsworthy because they confirm the laptop is real. Now, it's not 100% definitive evidence. Someone can put photos on anything and claim it's real. But the issue at hand is someone posting a photo being like, look at these images coming from the laptop. This laptop is Hunter Biden's. And then them saying, oh, but you know, you're violating privacy rights. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. The question is, at what point do we cross that line? And it's tough. I got to be honest. I mean, it's, 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 it's tough. 
But I believe the images corroborate that, that, that this laptop was Hunter Biden's and the evidence of malfeasance was legitimate. And if people saw those photos, they'd say, how did these photos leak? These are real photos. It's tough. It really, really is. And so I have to be honest, I, I can respect wanting to take down images of, you know, Hunter Biden's private things. You know what I mean? But the issue at hand is not so much that. I just want to I want to be fair and reasonable and, and, and say, like, you know, what, man, like. That's a tough one, right? But here's the issue. Matt Taibbi says, by this point, everyone knew that was aft, said one former employee. They censored the laptop under the guise that it was hacked materials, even though they knew it wasn't hacked materials, even though they had one person saying, can we truthfully claim this is part of the policy? They're like, for what reason? This, this laptop wasn't hacked. Jack Posobiec with the receipts. Last year, Twitter disclosed to the FEC they were warned of a hack and leak operation involving Hunter Biden by federal law enforcement that led them to censor the New York Post story. The disclosure was signed by Yoel Roth. Matt Taibbi, you can't see any evidence of government involvement. It's right here. When you saw employees saying, well, I, I've, I remember hearing something from the feds, you needed to check on this. Because coming out and saying, well, I haven't seen any involvement is the weapon they're using now to discredit your story. When in fact, the evidence is plain as day right here. Bravo to Jack Posobiec. No, no, look, I get it. Taibbi, he's not, a, he's not psychic. He doesn't know everything. But this here is a development in the story. Take a look at this. This is from FEC.gov. Since 2018, I have had regular meetings with the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, the Department of Homeland Security, the FBI, and industry peers regarding election security. During these weekly meetings, the federal law enforcement agencies communicated that they expected hack and leak operations by state actors might occur in the period shortly before the 2020 presidential election, likely in October. I was told in these meetings, the intelligence community expected that individuals associated with political campaigns would be subject to hacking attacks and that material obtained through those hacking attacks would likely be disseminated over social media platforms, including Twitter. These expectations of hack and leak operations were discussed throughout 2020. I also learned in these meetings that there were rumors that a hack and leak operation would involve Hunter Biden. Mark Zuckerberg said the same thing. The federal government was intervening to protect Joe Biden. It is there. Signed by Yoel Roth. December 17th, 2020. Head of site integrity. Interesting. He says, I did not receive any communications nor have any communications with Biden for president, the DNC, any of their agents. But uh, let's be real. The FBI, they're agents of the DNC, aren't they? To the best of my knowledge, no Twitter employee received any communications or heading with, with Biden, the DNC. That's the game they play. Talk about a dirty game. Elon Musk slams New York Times for ignoring his expose of how Twitter censored Hunter Biden laptop as woke outlets, including Washington Post, CBS News and ABC, all avoid the story, too. Let me make it absolutely clear for all of you. Twitter and Facebook both had been met, had met with the FBI or with uh, intelligence agencies who warned them about coming Russian dis disinformation campaigns. With Twitter, they explicitly say Hunter Biden and hacks. We know that Twitter had no justification for removing the story that exposed the Bidens to criminal allegations or, or I should say evidence of very serious crimes against this country. And uh, they're now being pursued because they have no choice, as if anything will really come of it. The laptop proved it right before the election. Several polls have come out showing that if the American people had known about the illegal activities 
claimed, uh, alleged by reporting, uh, in reporting due to the laptop, they would not have voted for Joe Biden. So here we are. Twitter did it. It's right there. The evidence is right in front of your eyes. And the journalists are saying nothing happened. Nothing. What are they, what are they, what are they saying? Do I have this? Uh, do I have this? James Lindsay says leftists and especially quote unquote journalists are bots or scripts with pre-prepared talking points like PR and richest man. See for yourself. This is how the regime works. It's a big performance to get people to follow their script. It's reflexes, reflexive hyperreality. Mehdi Hassan, imagine volunteering to do online PR work for the world's richest man on Friday night. Ben Collins, imagine throwing it all away to do PR work for the richest person in the world. Matt McDermott, doing PR for the richest person in the world should come as no surprise. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Look at all these people. John Neffel. Oh, oh, hey, John. How's it going? Yeah, let's see. You don't want to admit you're doing PR work for the world's richest person. That's so weird. Do these people have a boss that tells them what to say? How is it that they all started saying the same thing? No, no, serious question. Is it a meme? Certainly, if you're following these people, you will see they're all saying the exact same thing. Making a deal to do PR for the richest man in the world? Something is, is just uh, very strange, isn't it? There it is. Reflexive hyperreality. It's not real. None of it is real. Here's something from Todd Starnes. Another Twitter bombshell. Arizona Secretary of State Katie Hobbs was in regular communication with Twitter, telling them who to censor, and Twitter complied. There was a man who was running for office in Arizona who got temporarily suspended. How is this happening? How are they getting away with it? Well, my friends, I bring you to Mediaite's 27 most embarrassing reactions to Matt Taibbi thread about Twitter censoring Hunter Biden tweets. Oh, yeah. Look at all these little pictures making up Elon Musk. Construct tweet. Say formerly respected or once great Matt Taibbi. Call it PR or comms or, uh, or comms or like that. For the world's richest man, the richest person in the world and so on. Quote, tweet thread, hashtag optional. That's it. That's the tweet. Take a look at this. I already showed you Ben Collins. Chris Hayes, watching some of the most famous, most powerful, richest men red pill themselves into disaster. Pretty wild. Already read many Hassan's. Elias Cepeda, watching Matt's unbelievably fall into lazy reactionary commentary. And now PR hand for the world, richest man is depressing. Noam Blum had a really, really great tweet. He said, Matt Taibbi used to expose malign government activity. But now that he's exposing malign government activity, his credibility is lost. It's amazing, isn't it? Oh, no. The guy who used to call out Republican and establishment garbage is now calling out Democrat establishment garbage. Spare me your lies. Jason Schreier. Oh, hey, how's it going? He says editors are, are great. That's because they make your work sharper, but because you can ask them things like, hey, should I be doing PR work for the richest man on the planet? And they'll say, nah. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's Wajahad Ali. Look, they're all saying the exact same thing. That's it, right? That's the game. 25 tweets in, and all we've learned is that the legal safety policy people were the ones who made a controversial safety legal decision two years ago. Am I reading this right? That's my read, too, that the appropriate policy people made a call without government interference. Well, I think Matt screwed this one up a little bit. I think that it was released in, a, in an utmost stupid way. I like, I like Matt. Matt, you're awesome. Okay, I'm a big fan. But I think this was really, really dumb. And I get it. 
Elon Musk probably said, I want to give you these documents, but I want you to publish them in, th- in a thread on Twitter. We want to make Twitter the place to, to build news. Elon then th- uh, did this Twitter space where he was speaking and it was massive. Good job. I'll, I'll put it this way. Doing it this way was excellent for PR. Putting it on Twitter was a way to bolster eyeballs on the story. If they put it up on any other outlet, it may not have come out properly. But I kind of think they should have had this accompanied by a video. The long Twitter thread didn't work effectively. And Matt missed a key component that Jack Posobiec later put out. The journalists are now coming out and being like, Matt said the government wasn't involved. Well, Jack Posobiec proved they were. And we're also still waiting on documents from, uh, this is a problem I have with journalism, I have to be honest. There's still more. Now they're saying things like, if you thought they were doing it before the election, what do you think they were doing after? Well, there's a lawsuit coming out of Missouri against the Biden administration dealing with Facebook and Twitter. And we're learning that uh, there was substantial malfeasance. Vijaya Gade was in communications with, uh, with U.S. government agencies about what to censor. All of that information is already out. It should have been in your story, Matt. We know because of the Missouri lawsuit, these communications happened. So this is the issue I take. One of the things that Elon was saying, uh, you know, uh, okay, here, can, I just, can I just say something too? Like I'm listening to the Twitter space on Saturday and um, there's like 100,000 people watching. Elon Musk is talking. There's a handful of other people. And uh, guys, yeah, it's just me. But there are people who are in, in this live chat where Elon is talking about this consequential stuff. Tom Fitton is asking questions about the safety of, of Elon and these documents. People like Kim.com talking about building tools. And I'm like, this is incredible. But then you have a pe- people being like, Elon, a uh, quick question. Uh, will, will you come on my show? Will you give me the documents? I really, I said, come on, come on, come on, come on. Hang back. Let them do their thing. I tweeted at Elon that we'd love to have the Twitter files as well. That I got no issue with. But like, I understand everyone's going to shoot their shot. And it's like, so it is what it is. I'm just saying it's like when Elon is talking about this stuff behind the scenes, like, let's get that information out. And, you know, and there was someone who interrupted a question to ask that. And it's like, and a very, very important legal question was about, was about to come up. And I'm like, this is our opportunity to, a- to have, ha- have questions asked of Elon Musk. But anyway, this, this Twitter space was massive and it was, uh, it was in it. So uh, anyway, back to the point. Elon mentioned, you know, you don't want to just dump all the files. I, I, I think it was, it was in it. You don't want to just dump all the files. Because then there's a handful of stories and everyone forgets. You got to do it slowly. Yes, to a certain degree. I remember this happened with the NSA leaks from Glenn Greenwald. And I'm still critical of this decision. Because what happens, there, there have been instances where WikiLeaks has put out big data dumps. And then it's like, have fun. You can go through it. Nobody wants to. And some people do. And then, you know, a story comes out and it's like a year later and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember talking about that. Huh. Anyway, moving on. So the idea is to slow roll the documents, release the stories when something relevant is happening to maximize exposure. No, I think I think the thing you got to do right now is is uh, uh, release it all in a year. No one will care. And no matter what you do, there's no proper way to do this. They say, you know, slow roll it. Right. You do this story on Twitter and the Hunter Biden laptop. Now let's do the story on the government intervention. No, 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 no. You needed the government intervention stuff with the Hunter Biden laptop to say not only did they do this to 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 uh, win an election or to benefit their campaigns, they kept doing it after they got into office now as direct agents of the government in violation of the Constitution. Instead, we can all sit back as the establishment is given the opportunity to dismiss the story. I have to wonder, though. I have to wonder. 
the people who are seeing this and are saying it's not a news story, it's just they're just lying. It's the craziest thing. You know, like I see people like Vosh. Come on, Vosh. Are you, are you kidding me? The government was exposed to be in communications with Twitter and Facebook. On like several occasions now, the FEC filing, the story, uh, the, the lawsuit. This is not even a news report. This is a lawsuit proving it, releasing evidence. Then we get this, where not only did Twitter, Yoel Roth, say they were warned about Hunter Biden hacks by the FBI, they did not have a policy reason for removing the story. Okay, fine. Like, come on. You know, you can fool some of the people some of the time. You can fool, you can fool some of the people all the time. You can fool all the people some of the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time. Sooner or later, your audience will turn on you because they're going to say, I'm tired of you treating me like a moron. No, don't get me wrong. I got people who tweet at me and say, Tim does the same thing. Oh, okay. Like, here I am showing you NewsGuard certified sources, showing you the documents. You can believe whatever you want. That's what happened. There you go. But what do they say? They, they, they say it's uh, PR work for the richest man in the world. Okay. Yeah, this is internal documents from a massive multinational corporation with foreign investors being given to a journalist. That's it. I think it's funny, too, because Ben Collins apparently called him Substack guy. Matt Taibbi. I'm pretty sure he's an award-winning journalist. He used to work for the Rolling Stone, has exposed major stories. And now he's independent and probably better off than he's ever been. Substack guy implying as if working for the corporate press grants you credibility. At this point, my friend, it strips you of such. But let them do their thing. Let them say what they want. I love this. The New York Times finally wrote about it yesterday. Elon Musk, Matt Taibbi, and a very modern media maelstrom. And they played this silly game. The Tempest began when Musk teased the release. Musk and Taibbi exchanges evidence uh, framed the, the exchanges as evidence of rank censorship and pernicious influence by liberals. Many others, even some ardent Twitter critics, were less impressed, saying the exchanges merely showed a group of executives earnestly debating how to deal with this. Yes, just executives earnestly debating how to enforce a policy that didn't actually exist on content that didn't actually fit the fake policy they claimed they had. Meanwhile, we already had documentation that the government had instructed them that such a thing would be coming. Just nothing. I'll say it again. The FBI went to Twitter and said, hacked materials about Hunter Biden are coming. In an FEC filing signed by Yoel Roth, it is there. Then internally, they said, this might be hacked documents. And someone said, they're not hacked. Well, we should ban it anyway. What? This doesn't even fit the policy. How are we banning this? Because the FBI had come in earlier and said, get ready. Mark Zuckerberg said the same thing. This is the hard evidence it happened. Start filing your lawsuits now, people. Because this is proof of government involvement. You know, I saw a video earlier. Maybe we'll talk about it later. Cops shutting down a restaurant in um, in Fredericksburg, Virginia called, um, uh, what is it, Gromelts? Gromelts or something like that? Apparently, when the COVID restrictions came in, the owner said, screw off and kept kept operating. So they stripped him of his liquor license. He said, screw off. And he kept operating. So the police came in. I am sick and tired of watching this corruption go un- unanswered. I am sick and tired of the, of the lack of accountability. So you know what? We're going to get accountability. I used to say I didn't want to be an activist. I don't care anymore. I'll tell you what's going to happen. This needs to be answered for. 
Now, perhaps I am not the man who can go up against the federal government with major lawsuits or anything like that. It's happening. Gateway Pundit, the state of Missouri, they are winning this stuff. And maybe there are better men than I. But I'll tell you what I can do. And the reason I bring up the story, I'm going to go to Fredericksburg next weekend. It's only a couple hours away. I'm going to go drive past this restaurant. I'll, I'll try reaching out to the owner. I am going to take the photos of all of these police officers. And you know what? We'll see to what extent we can we can deal with this. These cops are in this guy's business and he's saying you're, you're just gonna, you're going to enforce these things against me. And they're like, yep. And he's like, you're the problem. The reason the country is the way it is. The covid lockdowns hurt us. They didn't help us. And here you are destroying a man's business just because you're told to. Well, you know what? You shouldn't be allowed to do that. And there is a really simple thing we can do, and it's called shunning. So here's what needs to happen. The video needs to go viral. I want each and every one of those officers, looks like there's a couple state troopers and some local cops faces plastered in the windows of every single shop saying we will not serve you here. And they'll have to move somewhere else. And then you know what? Let's see what we can do in terms of creating an activist group that goes that 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 exposes any public imagery of police officers, law enforcement enforcing unconstitutional actions against working class Americans, private citizens, etc. Now, it's a little um, non sequitur in a sense, but it, but it, but it's not. It's not. OK, what I'm saying is I want accountability and we can get it if we choose. Looking at this, I may not be the man. But I desperately want accountability. We have to do something. And the best thing we can do is a parallel economy for the time being. Now, those that are able to sue over this, they can and they will. In the case of that story out of Fredericksburg, we can make sure that every one of those officers who is destroying a man's life because they wanted to enforce unconstitutional and violation of the supreme law of this land orders then they should not be privy to the services we Americans provide. They'll get by just fine. It's impossible to cut someone off from every service. But I wonder what will happen when their neighbors give them the stink eye. When they try to go get a cup of coffee and they say, dude, you can't come in here. We, we know what you did. Get out. Make them feel it. And it's simple. And it's peaceful. Nonviolent civil disobedience. Make sure each and every one of these officers know we like cops. I'm not an anarchist. I, I, I put up a tweet. Some, some crackpots nearly died trying to break into one of my properties. You'd be insane to break into a West Virginia property. Are you nuts? I won't elaborate because the police are currently involved, but I'm glad they're there. I think cops can do good. But unless we say as a community, you will be held accountable by us the same then you get bad cops who go in and destroy people's lives. So anyway, my point is, I want accountability, and it's time we enforce it. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. From the Independent, Paralympian claims Canada offered to euthanize her when she asked for a stairlift. Imagine that. Hello, government. My taxes are supposed to cover my health care. I need a stair lift. Well, we can end your life instead. Amazing. I have a letter saying that if you're so desperate, madam, we can offer you medical assistance in dying. Christine Gauthier told a Canadian Veterans Affairs Committee. You may be stunned 
by this story. But I assure you, it is not new. Let me show you this story from CNN. Belgian Paralympian Marik Vervoort dies, aged 40, through euthanasia. It's a sad story. It's a scary story, but it's a reality. We also have this in the Daily Mail. They're glorifying suicide. Canadian fashion company is slammed for dystopian media campaign that promotes euthanasia as country prepares to open up assisted death to the mentally ill. Yes, yes, yes. It's called suicide. They're trying to call it something else. Euthanasia, medical assistance in dying. It is called suicide. We don't like suicide. We want people to live. And it's tough. I want to start by asking this and making this point. Whether or not you believe in a depopulation agenda, things like this keep popping up. Abortion, sterilization of kids, and now euthanasia. We know people like Bill Gates and other prominent world leaders advocate for a reduction in global population. We then see a pathway to doing as such. Now, of course, some people will say outright there's a depopulation agenda. And I certainly would say that's a fact, considering Bill Gates is like, we need to reduce population growth. Now, as to whether or not you want to argue that euthanizing people, sterilizing them and aborting them is a component of that. Well, now you're getting into the speculative. But to be fair, I don't think you'd be wrong. You see what I'm trying to say? I'm always, I always try to be careful. I want to make sure I have evidence on my side. My point is, you know, I'm not seeing Bill Gates say like directly, can we open up killing the mentally ill to lower population? I'm saying I don't think it's a coincidence that he's advocating for among and many other people to reduce population. And then we see government programs like this because there's probably an agenda. But I say probably because, again, trying to be careful, I don't have like documents showing explicitly this connected to that. I do think they are trying to depopulate that. Or Let me clarify. Depopulation agenda is real. This component of it trying to be careful here, guys. But what do you think, right? My attitude here is if people who want to die, die, if people want to sterilize their kids, sterilize their kids, if people want to abort their kids, abort their kids, the end result is a Christian conservative nation or there's also potential for a a Muslim nation. The reason I don't say I say it's probably Christian conservative is that in the short term, there aren't that many Muslims in the U.S. There are more Christians. So if it is liberals that are ending their own genetic lines and ideology, then the end result is going to be this country becomes Christian nationalist. It may be a component of why we're seeing a rise of Christian nationalism. There's a story I covered a bit ago, but I like to bring up. In the 2000s, academics reported that conservatives were having 2.05 children per family and liberals were having something like 1.64 or something to that effect. And that's that's not like they're having a half a kid. It's like they on average will have maybe one, maybe two, whereas conservatives tend to have two. That means conservatives were replacing themselves and liberals weren't. That means 22 years later, you will see more conservatives than you will see liberals. That's just a fact. If that trend continues because of abortion or otherwise, then the, then it's obvious. Let me read you the story and talk to you about where we're currently at. They say, A Paralympic Army veteran told stunned lawmakers in Canada when she claimed that a government official had offered to give her euthanasia equipment while fighting to have a wheelchair lift installed in her home. Retired Corporal Christine Gautier, who competed at the 2016 Rio de Janeiro Paralympics, testified on Thursday that the unnamed veterans affairs caseworker had offered in writing to provide her with a medically assisted dying device, the CBC reported. I have a letter saying that if you're so desperate, madam, we can offer you maid medical assistance in dying. Ms. Gaudier, 52, told a House of Commons 
Veterans Affairs Committee, according to the CBC. Three other disabled veterans are believed to have been offered the same equipment, according to Global News. Testifying in French, Ms. Gaudier said she had written to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to express her concern. Mr. Trudeau said on Friday the incident was absolutely unacceptable. We are following up with investigations and we are changing protocols to ensure what should seem obvious to all of us, that it's not the place of Veterans Affairs Canada who are supposed to be there to support those people. I can't do it. Sorry, it's just the most annoying voice who stepped in to serve this, their country to offer them medical assistance in dying. Mr. Trudeau was reported as saying medical assistance is in dying has been legal in Canada since 2016 for terminally ill residents. Now, apparently, they say the law was expanded in 2022 to people living with debilitating disabilities or pain, even if their lives aren't at immediate risk. <clears throat> this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I have talked to friends about this and they say, you can't force someone to be alive. That's true. People who want to end their lives tend to. But I defer you to one story. Um, or I should say one documentary, people jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge. A lot of people kill themselves by doing so. It's a huge plummet. You don't survive when you smack the water. Some people do. It's rare. Every single person, they, there was a documentary, they, they interviewed all these people and they said, all of the people who survived said that the moment they jumped, they regretted it because they realized in that moment, all of their problems could be solved except having just jumped from the Golden Gate Bridge. It's a scary story. Now, this is a Paralympian, right? And there's an argument about people who have terminal illnesses who want to end their lives. That I get. I'm not a fan of uh, 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 the wide expansion of this, but I will say there is a moral argument to somebody who say it has like cluster headaches and they're paralyzed and they have 10 months to live. And it's like, Okay, like making this person just suffer through 10 months is just brutal. There's the old uh, the old trope of putting something out of its misery. Put them out of their misery. Now, the idea was you got like an animal and it gets hit by a car and it's wheezing and gasping. And they're like, you got to put it out of its misery. You got to, you know, kill the deer to stop its suffering. We recognize that. There's a difference here, though. It's one thing when someone is in misery. And we are just paying to keep them alive. And they're begging for death because of serious injury or debility. I understand those arguments. Not everybody agrees, mind you. But there's no argument, in my opinion, when someone is not at risk of dying, for the most part. I mean, even chronic pain, I get. But I don't know, man. There's emotional pain. There's physical pain. Take a look at this story from the New York Times, January 24th, 2022. Marie Vervoort, or is it Werwurt, was a champion athlete. She had won four, four para, uh, Paralympic medals and two triathlon world titles, four records. And she died. Should we hear her story from Lindsay Adario, a photojournalist who documented the end of her life? You see, the New York Times takes a positive approach to this concept. And then we have this story, which documented the, the exact thing in October, 20, October 23, 2019. So this was a few years earlier. They say, Euthanasia is illegal in Belgium, and in 2008, she received assisted suicide approval 
after receiving consent from three different doctors. I no longer have a fear of death, she said. I see it as an operation where you go to sleep and never wake up. For me, it's something peaceful. I don't want to suffer when I'm dying. Not murder. Vorvort competed in the T-52 classification for athletes who have limited or no mobility below their waist and who have impaired motor skills in their arms and hands. Since retiring from the sport in the Paralympics in 2016, admitting it become too hard on my body, Vorvort spent time with her family, friends, and therapy dog, Zen. Therapy dog, Zen, looks very cute, by the way. When I'm going to have an epileptic, 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 epileptic attack, sorry, she warns me one hour before. I don't know how she feels it. It's really amazing, isn't it? It's a dog see something. Apart from a few countries, euthanasia is illegal in most of the world. After signing her confirmation papers, Vervoort said she wanted to use the attention she garnered to educate other nations that lack assisted suicide measures. I think there will be fewer suicides when every country has the law of euthanasia. Think about how psychotic that statement is. Let's, let's break it down to its definitions so you can uh, uh, generally understand. I think there will be fewer self-deaths when every country legalizes assisting someone to have self-death. Like, like, how does that make sense? I think less people will kill themselves if we allow a law helping people kill themselves. What? No, more people will do it. What are you talking? Imagine someone was like, I think there will be less roads if we start building roads. Huh? What? I think there will be there will be less violence if we start allowing people to engage in violence legally. Huh? Really incredible stuff here. Take a look at this. What euthanasia has done to Canada. You see the commercial? Let me pull, let me pull up the commercial. Wow, they took the video down. How about that? It was a video of a woman like saying like, now that I can choose to end my life, things are so much better. And it's like, whoa, dude, what? You know what, man? Here's the issue. A lot of these people who are suicidal, they're healthy. I mean, it's, un it's, it's sad. Many of them suffered some crisis and were put on crazy drugs. The drugs destroyed their brains and now they want to die. Let me read for the New York Times. They say, Les Maisons Simmons, commonly known as Simons, is a prominent Canadian fashion retailer. In late October, it released a three-minute film, a moody, watery, mystical tribute. Its subject was the suicide of a 37-year-old British Columbia woman, Jennifer Hatch, who was approved for what Canada, Canada law calls medical assistance in dying. Amid suffering associated with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, a group of disorders that affects the body's connective tissues. In an interview quoted in Canada's National Post, the chief merchant of Simon stated the film was obviously not a commercial campaign. Instead, it was a signifier, a public spirited desire to build the communities that we want to live in tomorrow and leave it to our children. Leave it to your children. You abort your kids, you sterilize them, and then you advocate for suicide of healthy individuals. This person, of course, was suffering from an ailment. But there's a famous story of a woman in Europe who was just depressed and they killed her. They say, for those communities and children, the message is clear. They should believe in the holiness of euthanasia. In recent years, Canada has established some of the world's most permissive euthanasia laws, allowing adults to seek either physician-assisted suicide or direct euthanasia for many different forms of serious suffering, not just terminal disease. In 2021, over 10,000 people ended their lives this way. Just over 3% of all deaths in Canada. 3%! Of all deaths in Canada were people committing suicide. 
Holy. Let me stress that again. 3% of all deaths in Canada were assisted suicide. That's not even just self, like self-death. Like, that's like physician-assisted suicide or direct euthanasia was over 3%. That's insane. It's crazy stuff, man. Wow. Check it out. A further expansion allowing euthanasia for mental health conditions will go into effect in March 2023. Permitting euthanasia for mature minors is also being uh, considered. Well, my friends, I will say it again. While we think these are atrocities and we don't want these things happening to young people, there's also the cold, cold reality. No matter how you feel about this, the end result will be religious folk ain't going to be killing themselves. They fear suicide. These secular liberal types more likely will. Less likely to have kids, more likely to kill themselves. It's a terrifying reality. In the era of populism, there's a lively debate about when a democracy ceases to be liberal. But the advance of euthanasia presents a different question. What if a society remains liberal but ceases to be civilized? The rules of civilization necessarily include gray areas. It is not barbaric for the law to acknowledge hard choices in end-of-life care about when to withdraw life support or how aggressively to manage agonizing pain. Can I just mention, they were talking about death panels 10 years ago. Like you'd be sick, you'd go to a doctor and they'd be like, we'll decide whether or not you get your treatment. It actually ended up happening that way, at least in a few instances. But now we have actual death panels where you can go and say you'd like to die and they'll actually go, okay. It is barbaric, however, to establish a bureaucratic system that offers death as a reliable treatment for suffering and enlists the healing profession in delivering this cure. Well spoken. And while there may be worse evils ahead, this isn't a slippery slope argument. When 10,000 people are availing themselves of your euthanasia system every year, you've already entered the dystopia. Welcome to the nightmare reality. You are in it. Special shout out to uh, there was a cop guy walking down the street in Florida and he's got a walking cane because he's legally blind. But uh, he needs it. Uh, I guess like his, his vision is blurry. He can walk without hitting obstructions, but he has a walking cane. Cop demanded to see it. He said, back off. They arrested the guy. Shout out to the cops in uh, Fredericksburg, Virginia, who are shutting down a guy's business because he refused to comply with your tyrannical unconstitutional orders. And shout out to those in Canada who are just mass killing people. You best start believing in nightmare dystopias. You're in one. Indeed, according to a lengthy report by Maria Chang of the Associated Press, the Canadian system shows exactly the corrosive features that critics of assisted suicide anticipated. From healthcare workers allegedly suggesting euthanasia to their patients, to sick people seeking a quietus for reasons linked to financial stress. Holy crap. In these issues, you can see the dark ways euthanasia interacts with other late modern problems. The isolation imposed by family breakdown. The spread of chronic illness and depression. The pressures of, uh, on aging, low birth rate societies to cut their health care costs. But the evil isn't just in these interactions. It's there in the foundation. The idea that human rights encompass a right to self-destruction. The conceit that people in a state of terrible suffering and vulnerability are really free to make a choice that ends all choices. The idea that a healing profession should include death in its battery of treatments. These are inherently destructive ideas. Left unchecked, they will forge a cruel, brave new world, a dehumanizing final chapter for the liberal story. Here, here. Absolutely nightmarish. 
to see what we are seeing right now, my friends. People who are suffering need help with their suffering. Some people are on their deathbed. That I get. Some people are depressed. Mature minors? Never. Never. Again, let me stress. There is a line. Someone on their deathbed, they've, they've got a terminal illness, and we say, there's nothing we can do. Now, I still entertain the argument. I am not the arbiter of, 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 of life and death or truth. And I entertain, there's an argument. We should not terminate people in any circumstances. And I'll tell you why. There may be someone who is sickly, and the doctor says, this person, they're suffering from terminal cancer. So in the name of our country, we must kill them. Yeah, I know, it's like I got a little minor Trump there. I'm not trying to imply Trump wants this. No, I'm just saying a doctor might be like, no, they got to die. The person may be sitting there going like, doctor says I have a terminal disease. And then they kill them. Uh-oh. Turns out it wasn't terminal. This is a misdiagnosis. Whoopsie. Let's say there's somebody who is offered euthanasia. They're in the hospital. They're suffering. Eyes sunken in, gaunt, frail, pale. The doctor says, you have what we believe is this disease and you're going to die. There's nothing we can do. You have three months. And the person says, no, I refuse to, to give up. And they, it'll be expensive and you'll never make it. And you're wasting our money. And they say, no, I refuse. And the doctor says, so be it. Two months later, they've improved. A month later, the doctor says, you know, we made a mistake. That's the problem. We want to help people to live by any means necessary. And this is the problem I have with the death penalty. Because let's say a lot of people come to me and they say, Tim, you know, someone who brutalizes children, like murders them, whatever, there's no, there's no excuse for that. And I'm like, you're completely right. Absolutely. And if we can't re rehabilitate and this person is a threat to society, you are 100% correct. The problem the institution of man trying to determine whether or not these claims are true and correct. Now, I can certainly understand if you as, a, as an individual are witnessing a person about to, to harm a child and in, in defense of others, you use lethal force to end that person, that, that, that criminal psychopath. We don't want these things to happen, but sometimes it is a difficult choice that pains everyone when you have to end somebody. People make jokes online, but you know, come on, man. And they say like, oh, I'd love, you know, we, we, we don't want children harmed. We don't want pe people to be victimized. When it comes to the government, they come to me and say, trust us. It's a bad man. Let us kill him. I go, no, I don't trust you. I don't care. I will not trust you. And I always say like, who's the worst person? Kamala? Like, who's the worst government person? Kamala or John McCain? Imagine either of them came up to you and they were like, they were like, trust me, this person should die. I'd be like, no way. <laughs> Never going to happen. You can tell me everything in the world. I'm not going to believe you. And that's the same issue I have here with euthanasia. A doctor can come to me and tell me that uh, this person is dying anyway, so we should euthanize them. And I'm like, sorry. It is, it's like you're hanging from a cliff by a single hand and your muscles are burning. And someone looks down and they say, look, it's, this person's very heavy. We can try to lift them up, but if we let them fall, it'll be over before they know it. And it's like, well, they're, they're likely to fall, but don't you try and pull them up anyway? If someone is about to fall off a building and you're like, they're slipping, I probably can't save them. You'd still try to you risk your own life. You're like, I will try and grab them and pull them up. It's remarkable that this is where, where it's come to. 
Not so much in the U.S. because we are a large constitutionally protected country. But the idea is here and it's expanding from Europe to Canada and now healthy young people. A woman in Europe who was just simply depressed. The doctor signed off saying, OK, she was a victim of a terror attack. She witnessed it, gave her stress, uh, anxiety and stress. So they, they, they pumped her full of crazy drugs. The drugs shattered her brain. And then she said she wanted to die. So they, they ended her life. The global population is going to shrink. And not for natural reasons, because of cultural reasons, because of things that we are engaging in. The idea that they would target children with this or young people is shocking. The idea that they would offer this to anyone to me is shocking. There's probably some circumstances where I would accept it. Over 70 years old um, with a terminal illness, over 60 years old with terminal illness plus uh, crippling pain and disability, and that's probably it. Even if someone is, is young, you know, taking their life. I've heard so many stories about people who found ways to, to persevere. I read about how a paraplegic one year after their accident and a lottery win winner one year after winning register the same levels of happiness. And I can tell you that's true. From the gutter to success, my view of the world, my happiness levels are stable. When I was sleeping in cars and trying to find food, I wasn't crying about it. I wasn't dancing about it. Just it was the way things were and you adapt. And now that I'm running a big company and we're successful and we have more comforts, same thing. You feel the same way because life is just what it is and you learn to survive. You adapt. When they offer to kill people, it makes it makes me sad and it makes me scared. Many of these people they offer to kill could find a way to adapt and survive. I'm not saying every single one. I truly understand there are people in pain. I empathize. And that's why I say there's probably some circumstances. I agree. But I'm supposed to trust the government. Yeah, sorry. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at YouTube.com slash Timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.